I'm Jim Wills, and this is the Art Unknown Podcast, where we feed your soul with art. Art is how we respond to our environment. It's a way to process external events. Oneness, I think, is the only way that all humans on planet Earth will be able to sustain and, and progress and move forward in our evolution. Get out there, look at art, expose yourself to as much art. Your soul needs it, society needs it. Art feeds the human soul. It makes the world a better place. Find whatever stokes your inner fire and pursue it. All right, my guest today is, I'm very excited to have this guest on. He is a fellow photographer, which is obviously near and dear to my heart. If those of you who have listened to this podcast know that I am a photographer, he's also the first Turkish artist that I'm speaking to after having been living in Turkey for some time. And so I'm excited. I first saw his work at the Antalya Cultural Museum. He had this exhibition in English called Oblivion, and I'm not going to even try to say it's a Turkish translation. Hopefully he can do that for me. But what was most fascinating about this exhibition was that uh, normally those of you who are listening who go to see a photographic exhibition, you'll see the, the images on the wall, maybe framed, maybe not. This exhibition was set up where there was cardboard boxes stacked up. Maybe Marat can explain that to us, but it was stacked up somewhat like a city and you had to sort of work in and out of these boxes to, to see all the, the photos. And they were all different sizes. There's panoramics. There was large images, there were smaller images, and it was a history of Antalya, uh, Turkey, throughout the past and his works, his images, both from the ground and aerial shots. And it was amazing. And I was really, really impressed. Actually, my wife saw this exhibition and she told me about it. And I took another photographer friend to see it because she said, it's going to be really, you'll, it'll blow you away. And it did. And so I'm very pleased to have Marat German on the podcast. Marat, welcome. Thank you so much for doing this. It's a pleasure to talk to you. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, same here. It's uh, also my pleasure to uh, collaborate with you. Uh, maybe I can explain a little bit about uh, the exhibition uh, that you just mentioned. I was educated as a city planner and, and architect, so I, don't I, don't, I never had a proper uh, art education. Uh, then uh, I quit the, doing uh, city planning or uh, and or architecture because uh, they both uh, professions require really large, very large amounts of money. And uh, whenever you have big money, you don't have much independence. You you somehow have to do what the uh, the what the money wants you to do. Sure. Uh, so <laughs> and uh, so uh, yeah. Then, then uh, at the time, uh, photography was my very very main hobby, let's say, uh, and uh, I decided to turn it into a way of uh, uh, making a living. Uh, and uh, I did various things, but yeah, finally uh, uh, here I am. Uh, you know, teaching photography. I'm also a professional photographer, getting uh, professional commissions. Uh, and also an artist uh, collaborating with galleries uh, and uh, and museums. And the museum, uh, uh, sorry, the, the exhibition uh, at the museum that uh, you mentioned at the very beginning, uh, the Turkish name, by the way, is called, uh, is uh, pronounced Nisyan. Nisyan. Uh, 
Nisyan, yeah, exactly. Tur uh, Turkish actually is quite an interesting language. I like the language because it's a, a sort of a, uh, the, the melting pot of many different uh, uh, languages, just like the culture itself. Turkish culture is uh, actually a combination of many different cultures, in including sure. like Farsi, uh, you know, M Middle Eastern, uh, Greek, and uh, uh, so the uh, Hittites. And I mean, there, there are so many layers, uh, Byzantine, obviously. Uh, uh, there are so many layers in this uh, country that I, I, I really uh, love this, the, 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 the variety of uh, people and the approaches and, and, and ideas and perceptions and everything. So years ago, when I started uh, as an artist, uh, I uh, did a lot of, uh, how to say, fictional studies or maybe uh, digitally uh, uh, transformed. I don't like to say manipulation because manipulation to me is like changing uh, the content uh, uh, or maybe lying about what you're trying to say. Uh, sure, so sure. I, I, I never wanted to manipulate information. Uh, I just transformed uh, uh, photographic content into, uh, uh, let's say, a computational art uh, examples. And uh, then with the uh, resistance that took place in Istanbul in uh, 2013, and it was sort of spread to the entire country, to different cities, uh, I saw there was an amazing uh, tra uh, transformation underway. And uh, uh, so I, I, I used to do documentary photography before then, uh, but I, I started to do much more for documentary photography uh, because uh, I, I thought the times needed to be recorded. It was really very, very significant to me, very important to me uh, to be able to document, document what was happening. It, it, the, the same time period was also uh, a very dense uh, period in the sense of uh, in urban transformation. Uh, I, I'm sure you have seen uh, many examples in Antalya too. Uh, so, uh, the, the present uh, government uh, that we have, the, the main uh, vision, if you can call that vision, uh, they have is to construct. Uh, so it's the main, uh, how to say, income uh, of the of the national economy. Uh, so uh, there is obviously overbuilding, uh, and there's also sometimes in certain cases uh, oversupply of uh, uh, rather luxury housing. So yes, there are people who need housing, but but, but they need a low, uh, uh, um, how to say, uh, I mean they, they need cheap housing. Uh, affordable uh, housing, yeah. yeah. Affordable housing, yeah, exactly. So, uh, and and uh, most of the uh, houses available are not really that affordable. So, so people have to go for uh, long-term debts, uh, uh, like mortgage, uh, uh, like the mortgage plan you have uh, uh, in in the in the U.S. So, uh, yeah, I started to document uh, the, the 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 damage that all this uh, uh, was giving uh, to uh, our uh, present culture. So then uh, I ended up with this, uh, I, and I still accumulate uh, this uh, archives. I ended up uh, with this really, uh, let's say, huge archives on uh, uh, on the city, on the culture, on uh, on uh, the damage to the nature, uh, on hydroelectric power plants and their uh, uh, disadvantages, and many different things like, like uh, very much related to, to, to the climate crisis, to uh, global warming, uh, to uh, inequality uh, uh, in the society uh, uh, and uh, dispossession and things like that. 
it is obviously uh, possible to uh, exhibit uh, documentary photography in combination with uh, a good uh, concept text in uh, in the environments of how to say contemporary photography so you sure. don't have to you just you can just have prints and uh, uh, have them on on walls and uh, you're going to write an accompanying uh, uh, concept text and uh, it can definitely be s- still seen as uh, like uh, uh, an example of uh, documentary photography but being educated as an architect i was also uh, looking for uh, some sort of a uh, let's say plastic uh, quality uh, meaning uh, yes uh, photography is usually uh, presented in in 2d because uh, uh, the way you see it on the screen is 2d the way you see it as a print is again 2d yeah. Uh, so I, I, yeah, I was just asking myself, can I somehow experiment in uh, somehow bringing three-dimensionality to the display of photography? Uh, and I started this, I started, started doing this uh, on uh, artwork scale. First, I uh, uh, experimented uh, extruding surfaces, angling surfaces, uh, using obviously some materials that can that could that that could give me volume, uh, so I, I brought volume uh, to the surface of the artwork, on which uh, photography could be mounted. So so I, I have a series called uh, Abysmal, uh, uh, which contains like maybe fifteen uh, examples of this type of e- experimentation. Uh, and then uh, fo- following uh, three exhibitions, which is uh, a Stairway, Step by Step, uh, then uh, Oblivion, uh, and also there is uh, another one uh, 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 called, um, oops, I forgot the English name, interestingly, I will check it uh, from my uh, <laughs> uh, website, uh, uh, Overflow, yeah, sorry. Uh, okay. <laughs> Funny, I forgot about the name. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> uh, I, the Turkish name was in my uh, mind, but I forgot the English uh, title. Uh, anyways, so uh, in these uh, three exhibitions, I extended this uh, three-dimensionality uh, to the gallery scale now. Okay. Uh, it used to be uh, on the artwork scale. Now uh, it's uh, on the, uh, on the uh, gallery scale. And in two of these exhibitions, which is the Overflow and uh, the, uh, the, the Oblivion, the, the one you saw, uh, I uh, collaborated with uh, uh, designers. In Overflow, I collaborated with uh, Kerem Piker, uh, who is uh, uh, a young and uh, uh, quite known um, uh, Turkish architect who is able to design in many different scales. Uh, I mean, he can design a doorknob uh, and he can also design a a very large urban scale uh, uh, public uh, building. So he likes uh, alternating in between different scales. So uh, I was, uh, when I was offered the the possibility uh, of collaborating with him, I, I was very happy. I knew his name. I never uh, uh, got to meet him in person, uh, but I, I, I was sure that he was uh, going to end up, uh, or the, the co- collaboration was going to end up as, as a great collaboration. Uh, so yeah, I, I mean, I gave him a very precise uh, uh, brief. Uh, it was almost like I was the client and he was the architect uh, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> offering me a, a solution 
to uh, for 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 the display of the uh, of the works. And uh, so he came up uh, with uh, this uh, great idea, and uh, we uh, immediately we implemented it without any change at all. It was a perfect solution. And uh, the uh, exhibition in Antalya, uh, Oblivion, was also a col collaboration. But I this time I collaborated with a graphic designer who okay. uh, had. Uh, who had a, a great uh, 3D, uh, how, how to say, notion. I mean, she, her, uh, she, she was, she's not an architect. Her, her name is Yeshim Demir, by the way. Yeah, she's a very experienced uh, uh, designer. And uh, she did many books. Uh, she did many uh, uh, corporate uh, identity studies. Uh, she also did some exhibitions. So, she, so she's experienced uh, with uh, 3D perception. And... Uh, uh, one of my works had actually uh, uh, 3D cubes that uh, somehow separated portions of, uh, of, of a single photo into uh, different pieces. So when you looked at it uh, uh, very upfront, uh, then you would see the entire photo. But, but when you uh, looked at it from, from the left or from the right, you would see a completely different combination of these pieces. So you, uh, if you looked at it at an angle, you never saw the uh, uh, the entire uh, photo uh, in totality. Uh, so, so, she, uh, so she departed from that, and uh, she and and she, uh, as you very nicely uh, perceived, uh, the, the 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 cubes, the cardboard cubes, when they uh, came together, uh, the idea was to make them look like uh, uh, an urban, how to say, volumetric entity. Uh, so she looked at, uh, she already knew my work uh, uh, because we uh, previously collaborated on a book. Uh, and yeah, this is, uh, this is actually how it ended. Uh, I think it was another great uh, collaboration that I, uh, that I really enjoyed. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that story. And um, sure. there's a lot to unpack there. So you're primarily a documentary photographer, a documentarian, right? It, you're not you're not a fine art photographer or a fashion photographer. You document the world around you as you see it. And yeah. to to describe this, and we'll have a picture on our on our website on our webpage for you of this, so people can see. But walking into the exhibition, you know, there's all these cardboard boxes, and then the images are stuck on the different side on all all I guess three, maybe even four sides of the cardboard boxes. Plus, you had images on the wall. And correct me if I'm wrong, but walking through the exhibition, you kind of had a geared sort. In, in one area, it was more of like older Antalya. It was, it was um, more of like some of the, the historical buildings or historical areas of the city. And then there, as you progress through, there was more of like the agricultural side. On the far side was like the agricultural side. And it was a progression of not necessarily a historical progression, but it, it seemed like almost walking through the city. There's the city from different areas. Kalichi, which is the old town of Antalya. And then you had mm -hmm. some modern side, you had Laura and the beaches that are, that are like you talked about earlier, that are uh, built up and new and extravagant. And then you had one thing that uh, the listeners probably don't know is Antalya is sort of the food center of at least this part of Turkey. And you had a whole area that was, that was greenhouses. And I had no idea. You had some amazing images of these greenhouses. And mm -hmm. there's one that uh, my buddy and I were checking out and, it took us both a minute to realize that that was greenhouses from above. It just, <laughs> the images were, were just so captivating. I hadn't seen a photo exhibition done this way before. So that's was one thing that really impressed me and why 
another reason why I reached out to you is like, this is a very unique. And then I started looking into you a little bit and saw you've exhibited all over the world. And so I want to talk a little bit about that. But before we do, one thing that I always like to ask my guests is an inspiration. And you talked about how you started out as a city planner and you transitioned your career into photography. And, and I love the fact that you're not just an artist. You're also, you said that you, you, you curate shows, you, you speak about art, you teach art, you teach photography. So it's, it's sort of inundated your life. And I wanted to ask you something that inspires you as a photographer that has, that has led you down this path. I guess it's the scale uh, of it uh, uh, and and the ease of uh, production. So uh, uh, especially these times, if you have a decent camera body, which is uh, relatively you know high resolution, uh, and if you have good lenses and uh, it, uh, and um, a good computer in addition, uh, you are on your on your own. I mean, you don't have to have it uh, uh, developed uh, and. Uh, you just use the correct uh, workflow uh, process. Uh, like, I mean, you have to shoot uh, uh, raw and uh, you have to use the correct tools to transform it into uh, usable files and everything. So if you are experienced enough uh, to be able to continue with that, so you're, uh, you, are, you are really independent. You can, uh, uh, for instance, as, a, uh, as an artist, uh, your gallery or, uh, or the, the gallery you collaborate with or maybe the curator in the museum, they may suggest things, which is uh, ov- obviously not unfair. I mean, they, uh, they are there to suggest things. I love to collaborate in such situations. I, and I love to listen to uh, other people's ideas who are experienced in things that I am not experienced at all. Uh, but as a as a documentary photographer, uh, you are free to shoot anything, uh, basically. Sure. Uh, and I love this independence. Uh, I, I guess this is why I uh, ended up being uh, as a photographer. And also feeling wise, whenever uh, I turn my camera on with a tripod or not, uh, the, uh, and these are by the way different. Uh, how to say different uh, modes. Uh, when I do architectural photography and uh, architectural professional photography and I use a tri- tripod, it's a completely different uh, mode. Uh, it's, uh, uh, it's more relaxed and uh, it's more focused. Uh, but, but when you're on the streets doing street photography as documentary photography, then that's a, that, that's a completely dif- different story because uh, uh, you're out there to, uh, it, it's, uh, it's almost like, a, uh, it's almost like you, you're a fisherman. Uh, you yeah. <laughs> don't really know what you're uh, gonna catch, uh, and, and at the end of the day, of of of, of course, you have uh, many things that you caught. Um, some are uh, useful, maybe some will turn to be useless. Uh, uh, but um, uh, yeah, that's one thing that really excites me. Uh, and the other thing is, I see documentary photography as uh, as a crime scene investigation uh, in a way. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> uh, why? Uh, uh, yeah, for instance, in the exhibition, again, you mentioned uh, the, the exhibition in Antalya, I was concentrating on uh, the two opposing uh, notions of your cultural heritage and also the betrayals, like, I mean, the, the, uh, the, the, the custody, uh, uh, what you own in your culture, and then how you do, do you betray to what you have. Uh, and this, this uh, unfortunately, especially in the past two decades, there is a lot of betrayal to the to the to, to the culture. So may, I, we lost many things, unfortunately, due to the mm. 
to the speed of uh, urbanization. Uh, uh, the, the, the speed of urbanization was probably one of the fastest in the world. And on, on the way, we lost many things. We lost important buildings. We lost important public spaces. We lost uh, uh, forests. We lost some water reservoirs. And uh, so the, these are important uh, uh, losses. So uh, when I photograph these before they disappear, does photography have the power to prevent this from happening? No, uh, but at least I can. Uh, it's uh, in the archives, and I uh, I can use it at least in the in the exhibitions, in the talks, in the uh, uh, classes that I give. Uh, I can just say, hey, look, this is what we lost, and uh, uh, so it's uh, it's very significant. Uh, uh, sorry, uh, we lost them, uh, but but uh, yeah. Uh, just be aware that uh, we have some more of this, and uh, this time we have to be very careful. We have to preserve them, because because uh, we see what happens when we when we uh, uh, lose them. So um, I, in that sense, uh, uh, so there is, in my view, a crime to be documented, and this uh, this is another reason why I do documentary photography. So and this excites me because I uh, I, I think. Uh, uh, the, the documentary photos that I take now mean a particular thing at this time, I mean now, it, uh, at the present, but maybe uh, 10 years from now, or let's go even further, like uh, 30 or 50 years from now, uh, they may mean something else because they will be uh, evaluated in a, in a new and uh, different uh, context. Sure. Uh, so, uh, and I like the multiple potential that documentary photography has. Uh, you, uh, I'm sure you have seen many examples. Uh, there are a lot of young people these days, young artists uh, taking advantage of found images in mm -hmm. order to uh, uh, do uh, contemporary artwork. And maybe uh, some of my images I took today or maybe yesterday, they will turn out to be uh, the found images of uh, generations to come. So you see, I mean... <laughs> It's a, yeah, it goes around cyclic, cyclical. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, you know it's it, fascinating. I and I humbly admit that I didn't really know anything about Turkey, very, very, very little about Turkey before coming here. The history of Turkey is so fascinating, and how much of the like I went to. My wife and I were fortunate enough to go to Greece for a honeymoon, and then you know mm -hmm. we saw we, you know, we we're very interested when we were in Greece to see these you know ancient ruins that are still around. And then we came to Turkey. I found out, wow, Turkey, the Roman Empire existed here, like the, the, the these ancient ruins. And there's so many that are still here. And then you talked a little bit about preservation and how mm -hmm. a lot of those things, as Turkey has modernized over the past hundred years or so, has has lost some of those things. And I'm struck because, like, for example, I come from the United States. Our modern history is only about 250 years old in the U.S., we are not afraid to destroy a building and build a new building over top of it if if it calls for it. You know, if the structure gets weak or whatever, or the new developers come in, the old buildings are raised, they're taken away, new buildings are brought up. And so we're, we're constantly rebuilding in the United States. And here, what's fascinating, what's most fascinating to me is modern Turkey is only 100 years old, right, as a country. But the history here is thousands of years old. We were fortunate yes. enough to go to the opera in Espendos and I was blown away by the whole thing because it was in this ancient theater that's almost 2,000 years old. And I was just blown away uh, in, in Istanbul, the Hagia Sophia, blown mm -hmm. away by how old this building is and how beautiful it is. And then it still stands today. 
And you have these examples all over this country of that. And I thought you captured a lot of that brilliantly in the, in the imagery in this exhibition of this old juxtaposition of the old versus the new. I talked a little mm-hmm. bit before about the greenhouses. You know, here in Antalya, there's a giant Ferris wheel. You know, so Turkey has this modernization, as you mentioned earlier, where there's this big push to modernize. I didn't know even Antalya itself, like the, the tourist aspect of Italia and, and where we live didn't exist even 10 years ago. The beach was really undeveloped here in mm-hmm. Kenyalti. And it's only within the last 10, 15 years that it's really sprung up. And, and as you say, it replaces the, the modern age replaces a lot of this, um, a lot of this ancient history. So I appreciate you as a, a documentary and photographer capturing these images. I think it's fascinating that you said, you know, who knows the artists of tomorrow will find your images. Another aspect, you had sort of two exhibitions, correct? Like the, the second floor of this, of the cultural center had an exhibition of Google images. Uh, yeah, I, uh, I I took some screenshots uh, to be able to show uh, the 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 difference that uh, took place in uh, uh, in twenty years in the in the past two decades. And Google uh, Earth can yeah. go back only uh, two decades, I, I believe. Uh, if it went further, I would also inc- include that. And uh, I also, <laughs> <laughs> I. Uh, intentionally left uh, Google's logo uh, on the images so that, you know, uh, uh, so that it's, uh, there's no copyright infringement or something. Uh, sure, sure, sure. Well, it's fascinating. And I, I love going on Google Earth. And I'm sure a lot of people do like going and you can, you know, look back and see and it's, it's fascinating to see how humans have changed the landscape. And um, yeah. I thought that was as a second part of your exhibition showing showing different areas of Antalya from above from satellite and seeing the growth of the city over time. I, I wanna get into your story a little bit more. You've talked about becoming a photographer and going through your, through your website, through your CV, you have large number of exhibitions and you've exhibited all over the world. We talked before we started recording, you said six, how many countries did you say? Uh, I think it's something like 15 or something. I never counted exactly, but maybe- 15 or 16 countries. countries. Yeah. So I'm guessing you probably exhibited in Turkey first, the first yeah. exhibitions. How, how did you go from there to I'm going to exhibit in, in Toronto or I'm going to exhibit in Italy or things like that? Would you talk a little bit about that? My very first exhibition, very, very first exhibition was in a cafe, actually. Uh, okay. Many, <laughs> many, many years ago. And I still, uh, I am still good friends with the owner of the cafe. Uh, he was very nice uh, to host my exhibition in his place. Uh, and then I, I think one of the things that somehow enabled me to uh, introduce my, myself to the uh, arts and culture scene in Turkey was my uh, experience at, at, a, at a magazine, uh, arts and culture and also architecture magazine, uh, which uh, uh, had a small audience, but uh, the audience was the right audience. Okay. Uh, it, it was, uh, it's a prestigious ma- magazine that, and uh, I worked there for two years uh, and uh, uh, the pay was very low, unfortunately. But, but uh, you know, I had enough, uh, uh, how to say, um, production out there uh, in, the, in, the, uh, uh, in, the, in the magazine uh, that I was able to show that I, could, uh, I was able to write, I was mm-hmm. able to photograph, I, I was able to lo- use my language uh, skills uh, to uh, translate uh, content uh, from from English to Turkish, okay. uh, and and also I could interview uh, foreign people uh, and uh, uh, and then 
translate this interview in, into into Turkish. So a lot of people, or the, let's say the right people, saw that I could do uh, different things, and uh, they started to uh, propose some uh, partnerships in many different things. So so it it it, it took some years uh, because. Uh, <laughs> One of the disadvantages I, I have, uh, I call this a disadvantage because, you know, it, it doesn't really help me all the time. I don't necessarily like to be in the right environments, uh, meaning like knowing the right people, you know, uh, saying the right things to right people or maybe <laughs> uh, uh, appearing uh, in all the possible uh, exhibition openings so that I show myself all the time. I smile to people. Uh, so it's, I mean, this this is obviously a business model. Uh, uh, of course, you do things, uh, and uh, you also have to present them. I guess I was trying. What I was trying to do was like produce as much as I can, uh, because I'm not that type of a, a guy. Uh, I, I guess maybe from from outside, some people may think I'm not a I'm not an easy guy. It's it's just I'm I'm, I'm a shy guy. I don't really want to be around or or the, or I don't want to do fake smiles that I really don't feel like doing. Uh, so I just try to make my work speak for myself because when you do enough or maybe uh, when you do a bit more than enough, some of that gets out, some of that gets seen. Gets seen. And uh, uh, j just like in your case, uh, uh, and you saw an exhibition and then you contacted me and then here, here we go, we're, we're, we are doing this. So I, I get the most happy when uh, something like this happens because I, I did not uh, uh, look for this uh, collaboration and it suddenly came. So I feel like I, in this particular case, this collaboration is well deserved because it was not previously or, or originally intended. It's just this, I don't know, uh, whatever you want to call it, karma or something. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I get the most happy when something comes to me out of nowhere. Sure. Uh, sure. Un, unplanned. Uh, so, so I guess this is why, uh, yeah, I mean, this is my strat strategy. Uh, uh, do as much as you can and some of that will, will, will reach people. Then they will want, uh, want to collaborate. Well, I think that it's, uh, the more I, now I know about you, it's fascinating. And I find this happens more and more, the synergy between people. So my background is photography, but I also, I worked at several, both magazines and like weekly newspapers as a journalist. And I've, I had this art pod, this art unknown podcast grew out of the previous name was Crave Magazine podcast because I owned an arts mm -hmm. magazine for about five years, focusing on on artists and art in Colorado and in the United States. And so it's interesting, you know, we have this on a similar background. You're my Turkish doppelganger, if you will, you know, my <laughs> Turkish brother. And, and I always seem to find artists as, as, as this podcast grows, I reach out to a lot of artists that I, when I see their work or hear their music or whatever, and enjoy them. And it seems the artists that respond to me, are, like yourself, also see that that synergy, maybe not maybe not consciously, but there's something there. And so mm -hmm. like you, I reached out to you and you're like, yeah, let's, let's, let's talk, let's talk photography, let's talk art. So I really appreciate that. And then we find out there's more similarities to us than, than we previously thought. So I think that's, that's pretty fascinating. In your art, you also like this exhibit, Oblivion, where it was three-dimensional. 
I noticed your other exhibits, you have, you don't just do, I mean, you, you have some where it's just the images on the walls, but a lot of your exhibitions are done in an artistic presentation where um, like the oblivion, you had the cardboard boxes making the cityscape. I noticed one on your website we had, it was kind of stair, it was stairs and it was like mm -hmm. people's feet on the stairs. Um, you have a really cool ex exhibition where all the images were hanging in these panels uh, mm -hmm. suspended together to make larger images out of the small sort of collage, if you will. I think you have a current exhibition where you actually have the pieces of images that are three-dimensional where you cut them in strips. And uh, so they have this three-dimensionality to them where they're not just flat on the wall. Mm -hmm. Talk a little bit about that, if you will. How did that develop where you were saying, I'm not just going to present my work in a traditional, as you said earlier, in a traditional 2D format. I'm going to come up with creative ways to to present this how, how did that develop i guess it's my architectural background because uh, I, I, architecture has to deal with volume uh, and photography obviously uh, has to deal with uh, volume because if you have uh, only flat uh, uh, how to say planes and if you don't have uh, many lines or convergences that suggest uh, volume uh, photography uh, will also be different i mean difficult sorry and I guess, uh, yeah, as I said, it has to do with my architectural background. And also, uh, even though I'm not educated in arts, I, I, I have this interest in uh, three-dimensionality because uh, photography is about time and space, especially some artistic pieces that are considered as installations or sculptures. So I, I was always interested in large-scale uh, installations, which I saw in, in, in museums, and also some of them were uh, site-specific installations, uh, which is something that I like even more, because you have a particular solution for that particular place or, or space. Uh, I guess this is how uh, I mean, this interest grew uh, depending on uh, these in, in, in interests, uh, all the... Uh, and and uh, sorry, uh, uh, maybe I could also is related again to my architectural education. When I was attending architecture school in a semester where you were expected to uh, produce maybe uh, one or two models uh, uh, for your project, I did uh, eleven or twelve mo models. I was all, <laughs> I was always working with. Uh, uh, models, uh, because as I said, I, I think architecture is about volume. Architecture is about circulation in between in between different volumes. Sure. Uh, sure. Uh, and uh, this is how I I could see uh, circulation and volume better than the drawings. And at the time, I was actually at MIT when I was uh, getting uh, my master's degree in architecture, and uh, it was a great times actually when there was this really. Uh, significant trans, uh, tra uh, transition and transformation at the same time from uh, analog to digital. And mm -hmm. uh, some of the uh, foundations of digital uh, creation to tools were uh, uh, laid in uh, at MIT because MIT is obviously a, a, a very uh, important, one of the leading uh, universities in engineering, and so there, there was a, uh, there was a lot of people who were coders and who were creative co coders. By the way, they they intended to use coding uh, in uh, in creation, not only uh, in software making. So and also the three D modeling tools were available at the time. So I could also use uh, soft modeling 
but I, I was always interested in making uh, hard models uh, because I could touch it. Uh, I'm a very tactile person, by the way. Uh, mm. <laughs> I think it's the same thing again. Uh, it, 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 instead of you know using the mouse and looking at the screen all the time to be able to create a certain volume, it's it's much more enjoyable to me to uh, uh, you know cut materials and put them together, and, and uh, it's 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 a let's say small scale architecture in a way sure. so maybe uh, uh, as i told at the very beginning uh, due to uh, independence problems that uh, i thought i could face in architecture i, I could not practice architecture maybe, maybe this is the way i practice architecture maybe in a much smaller scale so <laughs> and uh, no big budgets are required and i am the client uh, yeah. for myself <laughs> I am both yeah. the client and the architect so I, I think that uh, I just uh, uh, satisfy my appetite for building by doing all these uh, three-dimensional works ah, that's, that's fascinating yeah so you went to MIT for your master's and what was your yeah. master's degree in uh, it's 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 an MARC degree uh, okay. and uh, uh, my previous degree w- uh, was from Istanbul Technical University on uh, city planning. Okay. Uh, and uh, in the U.S., there's this uh, really great uh, opportunity uh, or, or, or possibility uh, for people who do not have architectural background. Uh, usually, obviously, you are entitled uh, to a master's degree in architecture in two years. Uh, that's very typical that this is also uh, valid in Tur- Turkey. Uh, but if you are if you are coming from a different background, uh, they have a specific master's degree that is called uh, Master of Architecture First Professional Degree, and it takes uh, three and a half years. In the uh, uh, one and a half year additional uh, time period, uh, they uh, want you to take uh, undergrad courses on architecture, uh, so that you can combine it with uh, your uh, uh, master's uh, uh, degree. And uh, at the end, you get the necessary, uh, how to say, degree to be able to join the AIA exams, which have, by the way, 25% uh, success rate. So uh, out of 20, uh, I mean, 25 out of 100 uh, architects who, who graduate from architectural schools can, architectural schools can become architects. Uh, uh, otherwise, if you don't, if you, you cannot uh, be successful at the at the exam, uh, you cannot practice as an architect. I mm. wish we also had this uh, in in Turkey. I think it's a great elimination system. Uh, in Turkey, uh, as soon as you graduate from the school of architecture, then uh, you you are entitled to uh, practice as a, as, a, as an archi- uh, architect. But in the U.S., uh, there's an exam you have to pass. Well, I was gonna, I was going to say that, uh, as you probably know, it's it's funny that you went to MIT and and then became a photographer because MIT ha- also has a very renowned photography program. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I looked into their. I, I went. I like you. I had no formal training, and I worked for years as a photographer before I actually went back to school. Uh, you know, 20 years later to get a f- degree in photography, and I looked at at MIT possibly possibly going there but i stayed in denver i I lived in denver and i stayed in Denver. ended up staying in denver and talking about cities it's interesting thinking back to your oblivion exhibition denver colorado and Antalya have a similar population about two million i think the entire Antalya province is about two million but what's different contrasting is denver is a very small like the city center itself is very small it's very 
it's a typical American city, huge high rise skyscrapers and, and whatnot. But the population mass in this in like Denver, they call it Denver Metro is, I don't know, probably 250 or 300,000 people where Antalya, the city of Antalya is somewhere around a million or so. So it's much more concentrated. I had to look those numbers up, by the way, <laughs> but it's much more concentrated. And you had images that I thought were fascinating of sort of these rooftops of the buildings. And Antalya, from what I have noticed and observed, and correct me if I'm wrong, most of the buildings that are sort of tall buildings are all apartment structure. Most everybody lives in, in these apartments that are anywhere. Our building that we live in is, I think, four stories, but you might have a 10-story building. And that really seems to be 10 or 15 stories seems to be the limits, but they're always, it's always apartments. And then you have the, the businesses are tend to be on the ground floor or the first yeah, couple yeah. floors of the, of the buildings. And you have these great photos of these buildings. You can just see it's like an endless, the whole entire photo <laughs> is these, these rooftops of these buildings in it. And because of the way you shot it, whether it's with telephoto or what have you, they're compressed. And then just like, it looks like it's one on top of each other. You can't see mm -hmm. any streets. And it's just fascinating how, to me, how there's all of these people that live together in, in this city, but it doesn't have this sort of the skyscraper feel the way we have in, in, in the United States. You know, in the United States, we build these giant skyscrapers that maybe, you know, upwards of 50, 60, 100 stories tall. And then there's only a handful of those in any major city. And then it just spreads out to suburbia. And mm -hmm. here... It, it's like the city central is, is concentrated and then all of a sudden it's rural. It's like very rural. You get out into it's like there's no exactly. suburbia, which which in some ways I love <laughs> because we don't have you don't really have the urban sprawl here in Turkey that we have in the United States and many cities that surround many cities. But the way you captured it was just masterful. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I, it just the, the, those were some of the images that really, really impressed me. The greenhouses. The rooftops, how they just they're endless because from the ground level, you don't really see it in that way. And so you you captured a really cool perspective that we don't often see. Yeah, I uh, I like to see the city uh, as an entity. Uh, so so I uh, whenever I shoot cities, I immediately uh, look for vista points. Like uh, yeah. I mean, where where can I get uh, 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 let's say at least one hundred and eighty degree panorama? Which uh, hill should I go to? Which uh, rooftop uh, of of the highest building uh, I can go to? Uh, and fortunately now. We have uh, drones uh, when I cannot get higher uh, in person with my uh, <laughs> tripod. I just send, let's say, I, I, I usually define it like this. I, I can send my eye to the sky. Uh, there you go. Uh, using the drone. But, but obviously, uh, drone is not always the solution, uh, especially if uh, when uh, you talked about these uh, rooftop images, which were somehow piled. And uh, obviously, good guess. It, they, they were they were uh, telephoto uh, uh, images uh, using uh, 100 and 400 millimeter zoom uh, lens uh, I, I used. And I also did. Uh, I am always quite interested in doing panoramic uh, photography too, because uh, uh, especially if you use the camera in the vertical uh, manner, uh, yeah. you have uh, I, I have like 60 megapixel Sony. Uh, and if I use it vertically, then I have a, 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 a height of uh, 9,000 plus uh, pixels. And if I do uh, a panorama uh, of, let's say, 50 images overlapping, obviously, so that I can turn them into a panorama, uh, sure. sometimes I end up with uh, a long uh, side of, I don't know, um, 
50,000 uh, pixels or sometimes even uh, 200,000 pixels. Wow. And uh, obviously the, uh, the, the size of the uh, files are getting huge. Some of them are <laughs> gigabyte in size. Uh, but but it, it gives me a possibility of uh, uh, having very large prints made and uh, uh, so that I, I can, or, or I mean, the exhibition designer or I myself can, can use them uh, in very uh, large prints uh, to be used as uh, uh, wallpapers uh, or sometimes very large prints and everything. So uh, as I said, uh, the, the vista points in a, in a, in a city are, are very important to me. Yeah, 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 yeah. You could scale the side of a building and take it, a long, narrow panoramic of the side of the building and then blow that image up and print it and put it on the side of the building. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I know we don't have a lot of time and I appreciate you taking the time. I wanted to ask you about art in general. Something I always ask artists is why should we care about art? Uh, yeah, that's a very good question. First of all, uh, even though, uh, you know, artists uh, work with uh, galleries and museums and institutions, there is obviously a professional side to it. So artists may also have careers, so they and they may be considered just because of that they may be considered professionals. But uh, if we look at other other professions, including obviously uh, architecture and city planning, the the professionality is uh, is at another level, and it's more connected to 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 the way that the system runs the world. It's very connected to to the to the system and it cannot really uh, have uh, much independence uh, because uh, as i said earlier uh, there there are huge budgets involved and uh, you usually have to do what the budget uh, owner wants uh, but in in art and photography i guess you can be on the margin uh, you could, it's possible to stay out of the system uh, and take a look at it from outside and make some observations and uh, then uh, convey your observations through your art. Uh, you can criticize more than other uh, people that you know as professionals or as people, uh, as normal people living normal lives. Uh, uh, I think it's our job to stay on the margin mm. and, and, and observe what other people cannot observe or do not have the time to observe. I think it's a, to me, it's a, it's, it's a responsibility because I have to, I have the luxury to be on the margin, uh, maybe not all the times, but some, uh, I mean, once in a while. And so since I have this luxury, then, then, then I, sh I have to, I have the obligation to bring uh, that point of view to the perception uh, of, of uh, let's say, uh, regular people. I, I mean, of course, it doesn't mean, uh, when I say regular people, it doesn't mean I'm irregular. I'm also a regular person. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but, yeah, I, I'm just uh, uh, trying to say that uh, artists have a more opportunity and they have more chance to uh, be able to dig into stuff that uh, uh, usually people cannot dig in, in into. And this is because they don't have the time. This is because they don't have uh, the opportunity. And this is because they, they do not know what to do exactly. Uh, but but when, when you're an artist, you listen 
to the news in a, uh, with different ears. Mm-hmm. You look at what uh, what's around you with different eyes, uh, and you talk to uh, people with different mouths. Uh, be- yeah. be- because you, your agenda is uh, somehow not necessarily dependent, but at, uh, you feed yourself with uh, what's in the agenda. And, and you say, hey, uh, I have a, a different perception of uh, what's, uh, what's in the agenda right now. I think this is different, uh, a different perception. So I, I should be able to share this with others and see how they react. And in certain cases, people say, wow, great. I never looked at it this way. Yeah. And when I, when I hear that, then, then I, I, I get the most happy. Uh, yeah. In certain cases, they say, you know, I mean, they, uh, they're not interested in what you're saying. It happens. I mean, not, not everything you say can be uh, attractive to all people. Uh, but at least, in, uh, as I said, in some, in some of my exhibitions, maybe not all, Whenever people approach me by either emailing or or maybe approach me physically in the uh, in the uh, exhibition space, uh, and when I hear uh, so it 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 was a complete it's a complete completely new perception for me. I never thought thought about this this way. Uh, then then uh, I I, I smile uh, very uh, deeply and I I mean I I get very happy and I say hey look I mean this this is what you're saying is very valuable. This is what I intended to do. Sure, sure, sure. And that's, I mean, that is the role of the artist right there. I think you, you nailed it, you know, helping people to see things in a new way. And uh, yeah. yeah, so you have an interesting perspective as someone who started out with a different career and kind of has transformed yourself into this photographic artist. Wanted to ask you from your perspective, what advice would you give to someone who who is starting out as an artist or starting out as a photographer who says this is who sees your work and says this is amazing this is where i want to let, lead my my life and have my career head what advice mm-hmm. would you give to someone in the field of photography right photography or or, or art or, in general or, or art in general okay uh, <laughs> actually one of the important issues is uh, income i have to say this i have to really, to to be realistic and sure. this is why I, I do uh, three, uh, three things at, at once. I, I teach at a, at a university full time so that I have a, a, I have a constant uh, income salary. And uh, uh, once in a while, I, uh, as I said, I, uh, uh, I get uh, professional commissions uh, in, in photography and uh, also I sell artworks. Uh, but if uh, two of these uh, fail temporarily or maybe for a longer period of time than you guessed and this is uh, actually it happened to me during the uh, uh, pandemic uh, period especially during the first year maybe in t- 2020 mm-hmm. so uh, uh, maybe for about three three four months my university salary university salary was the only income i uh, i had so so first uh, if you did not inherit uh, uh, a certain amount of money that can make you feel comfortable you have to make that plan. I think that's that's the primary thing that uh, an artist and photographer has to do. Otherwise, you, you'll be uh, dependent again. I, I think sure. in order to be able to uh, to uh, to uh, uh, practice art, one has to feel independent. So it it, it shouldn't be like, hey, I became an artist. I started to work with a gallery, but the gallery says says, oh, you have to give uh, five paintings uh, a month 
and this is the only way we can collaborate then then it becomes business again yeah. and and, and uh, maybe you do not feel that uh, independent anymore because you have to produce at a time you don't feel like producing at <laughs> uh, and, and this becomes a, a, an obligation and i think art artistic production should not face obligation because then you lose your independence you lose your uh, your appetite uh, it, it turns into uh, uh, just routine yeah uh, just a job so just another job it's just another job exactly <laughs> uh, uh, for for making a living which is understandable yes uh, i mean I, I i'm not complaining against this but uh, uh, usually when you uh, give advice you uh, you give the ideal advice right uh, yeah, and, yeah yeah for sure uh, i think so far i was able to somehow um, uh, produce the environment the the financial environment that uh, uh, kept me independent and also motivated another advice i would have and that's going to be the 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 final one uh, there is a lot of pressure even in the uh, field of i mean uh, even in 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 the art world because there are some uh, let's say fashionable contents that get more attention than other contents uh, and uh, you know uh, some artists sell more than the others uh, because they maybe use these fashionable contents and fashionable ways of uh, expressing them, uh, themselves on or maybe some of them have uh, a very sensational type of presence so so that they, they can attract more more attention people have different strategies to to be able to to be seen so uh, and uh, with uh, the uh, presence of uh, social media we are all exposed to this uh, mm-hmm. so and, and anybody from uh, a, 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 any uh, generation from uh, having any age can be uh, very much uh, how to say uh, influenced or maybe uh, I mean influenced negatively or positively they uh, they can get upset it's it's like hey I do something that I believe in but I see some other people uh, are getting more attention I mean I can see how this feeling can be generated because I also generate such feelings too it's like I get frustrated I get uh, sometimes even angry it's like Oh, do I have to be sensational all the time in order to be yeah. able to keep my work seen? I mean, this this is not what I want to do. I mean, if I uh, if I uh, uh, aim so, I would stay in the business world. So yes, there is this pressure, but but I would still, in the light of this, uh, or, or I mean, even if uh, this is the case, one should always believe in what he or she can create. Uh, so this is what I'm trying to do. Yes, I, I see that um, sometimes my the, the type of cre- uh, content that I create may look out of fashion uh, or maybe, uh, I, should, I wouldn't say obsolete. I think none uh, of, of artworks are, should be considered obs- obsolete because they are created and they are around. And uh, the, uh, all artworks have their audience, otherwise they wouldn't be created. Uh, so it's like uh, one has to trust himself herself just keep doing what you believe in uh, I, i think that that's the key point at one point maybe you get appreciated uh, not now but uh, if you are really uh, passionate enough about what you're doing one day or the other people will appreciate it they they will see the passion in what you're doing
maybe uh, I mean sooner or later, maybe maybe ten years from now, or maybe ten minutes from now. It doesn't matter. You you just have to be uh, patient, and you have to believe in what you're doing. Well, I love that. Be patient and believe in what you're doing. That's yeah. That's a that's a great way to to sum that up. And uh, that's I think that's a timeless advice. And so I, I yeah. Coming from a professor, that's great. <laughs> that's a man of wisdom right there. <laughs> As we wrap up, how can people f- find you or get a hold of you? Where where would you like people to check out your work? Where's the best place? I have uh, actually a website under my name, uh, muratgerman.com. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> there are many uh, sub menus in the so so I, I, it may take time to see the entire uh, website. Uh, that's one source. Uh, I okay. am on Instagram. Uh, so for, but by the way, I try to keep the website quite updated. So for very immediate content, Instagram could be a source. Uh, and I also have uh, a Facebook page under my name again. Uh, so these are various uh, sources from which uh, you can be updated. Just to kind of clarify, Murat German is spelled M-U-R-A-T-G-E-R-M. E-N uh, in English. And so Marat Gehrman, and, and I, I actually Googled your name and you, there's your web for me, the website didn't come up first, but there's like everything on Google is about you, uh, your work. And actually, <laughs> actually you've got, uh, where does that come from? Google does a nice little shot here on the side that has you. It says Turkish visual artist, artist, huh, academic yeah, yeah, yeah. and archivist using photography. So Google's got you covered. But also Instagram, I was going to ask you about social media. So you are on Instagram and Facebook, which is fantastic. So people can find you. Murad, I appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat about photography and chat about your life and your career a little bit. Any last piece of advice, any any words of wisdom to share with the Art Unknown audience? So, yeah, uh, I, I think just uh, find, your, find your passion, true, find your true passion. It can be one or two or more. If, uh, I mean, if, uh, if you have more passions, then you're lucky. Uh, and uh, just uh, preserve them. Again, same thing, believe in yourself. <laughs> wow, that's, fan- that's fantastic. And lastly, what you, you're, as we talked about earlier, quite prolific in your, in your shows. You've exhibited in uh, 15 or 16 diff- different countries. What do you have coming up, uh, maybe end of this year or, or going into next year? What kind of shows do you have coming up? Uh, there is actually a, a present show uh, uh, at Sakıp Sabancı Museum in, in Istanbul. Uh, uh, Sakıp Sabancı Museum is uh, one, one of the most important uh, museums in, in Turkey. They hosted people like Anish Kapoor, uh, Rodin and Picasso and uh, uh, Ai Weiwei. So, so they uh, hosted very important uh, uh, people from the international art scene. Uh, and uh, now uh, there's this exhibition on display uh, for which I was somehow the curator. I issued, actually, I don't want to call myself a curator, but I issued uh, a call to uh, 22 artists and uh, they, are, they all graduated from uh, Sabanja University uh, uh, where I teach at. Now, uh, and the, the, the directress of the, of the museum uh, wanted me to include some uh, works too. So we produced all these works. Uh, so 22 works are re- very recently produced, uh, ex- uh, exceptionally and exclusively uh, 
for this exhibition. And the exhibition is on Istanbul uh, and the, the many problems that uh, we face in Istanbul and maybe some suggestions for solutions. So that's a major exhibition that will end uh, like November, end of November 2021. Okay. Uh, for people uh, who happen to be uh, in Istanbul uh, uh, towards the end of uh, November, I think it's, it's 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 a great exhibition to to, to go to. And by the way, even during the uh, pandemic uh, conditions, uh, museums are very safe places to be at because they are very careful about the numbers of people they accept at once, uh, and uh, obviously uh, distances are kept. So you cannot enter without uh, masks. And also, uh, the, uh, there is a code that you have to have, which is called the HES code. Uh, if you don't ha- have the HES code and uh, you are approved to be healthy, uh, you, you cannot enter uh, uh, the, the museum. So I think uh, uh, museums are the most safe uh, public spaces you can be at uh, at this time. And I am going to open a, a duo show with a friend uh, uh, from Mardin. Mardin is actually an, an amazingly uh, beautiful uh, city in, in, in the southeast of Turkey, where you have great examples of uh, uh, stone architecture. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for this exhibition, uh, I have two, uh, say, let's say, tracks, uh, which uh, have uh, completely different how to say, methods of, 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 of production. And I collaborated uh, with two different people for uh, these two diff- different tracks. So I'm very excited about this new ex- exhibition. And w- one is going to be uh, totally uh, a three-dimensional interface which can uh, accept uh, f- uh, f- photographs in uh, form of cubes. And, and then I rotate these cubes and I, I, I get new, let's say, computational art uh, results out of photography. And the other one is uh, uh, will be a video work and uh, maybe... Uh, three-dimensional modeling and also maybe a three D print if it's not too expensive to do to do so. So yeah, I mean that's uh, the, the the plan for uh, two thousand twenty one and for two thousand twenty two, I have uh, two solo exhibit proposals, which I did not start to work for yet. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I noticed on your website, you, you do a great job of showing your, your past and present exhibitions. And so the, the one that you mentioned at the, how do you say it again? Sab- Sabanji? Saban, yeah, Sabanji. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and I, yeah, I included uh, the work that I submitted to Saban, Sakib Sabanji Museum uh, to, to the website. It's, it's very recent. It's on at this, at this time. Okay. Uh, but uh, I included it uh, uh, on my website at the, as the very top menu item. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so people can go to your website and they can see what you've yeah. got currently. And then, as I'm sure, as you as you have these new exhibitions come up, you'll put that on there, which is great. So people can can check you out. And if you're in Istanbul, check out Murat's work. It is it is fantastic. And uh, as a as a fellow brother in photography i really appreciate you taking the time to be on the podcast and, and chat with me a little bit and um I, I i love what you're doing just keep up the great work sir uh jim this is very kind really uh to 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 hear all this and uh, i'm uh, very glad we got to know each other thank you thank you again Marat. thank you <laughs> The music for this episode of the podcast is brought to you by 
Turkey's very own Aslan DJ. You can check out Aslan anywhere you listen to your music. Spotify, SoundCloud, Beatport, YouTube. Follow him on Twitter, on Facebook, on the Instagrams, anywhere. That's Aslan DJ. Check him out and dance all night long. Now that the podcast is finished, why don't you head on over to artunknownstore.com where you can find some amazing art-infused athletic wear and accessories. That's artunknownstore.com and special bonus, podcast listeners, as always, get 10% off when they use the code AUPODCAST10 when they check out. That's AUPODCAST10 at artunknownstore.com. Once again, this is Jim Wills, your host and producer of the Art Unknown Podcast. Remember to take care of one another, and as always, feed your soul with art. Thank you.